Section 16 of Birds and Nature, Volume 12, Number 3, October 1902. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lapis Lazuli, Amber, and Malachite. Lapis Lazuli. This stone was the sapphire of the Greeks, Romans, and Hebrew scriptures. Pliny likened it to the blue sky adorned with stars. Large quantities of worked pieces of it are found in early Egyptian tombs, and the Chinese have long held it in high esteem. Marco Polo visited Asiatic mines of the mineral in 1271 A.D., and these had doubtless been worked for a long time previous. Besides its value as a stone, it was in former times used as a blue pigment, giving the ultramarine blue. In modern times, not only has the esteem in which the stone is held for ornamental purposes declined, but the mineral can be artificially made so as to give the desired blue color for paints, and thus the use of the natural lapis lazuli has greatly diminished. It is still, however, carved to make vases, small dishes, brooches, and ring stones, and is used to a considerable extent for mosaic work. When also pieces of sufficient size and a uniform color can be found, large carved objects may be made which command a high price. The stone known as lapis lazuli, as it occurs in nature, is not a single mineral, but a mixture of several, among which are calcite, pyrite, and pyroxene. From these, however, it is possible to separate a mineral of uniform composition, sometimes crystallized in dodecahedrons, which is probably the essential ingredient of the stone. This mineral is known as lazulite, and in composition is a silicate of soda and alumina with a small quantity of sodium sulfide. It is by making a substance of this composition that the artificial ultramarine is produced. The artificial is said to be as good as the natural for a pigment, and can be produced for a three-hundredth part of the cost. The natural lapis lazuli has a hardness of five and a half, and a specific gravity about like that of quartz. It is quite opaque. In color it is blue, varying from the prized ultramarine to paler, and at times is of a greenish shade. It is said the pale colored portions can be turned darker by heating to a red heat. When the variety from Chile is heated in the dark, it emits a phosphorescent green light. The stone in nature is often flecked with white calcite. Portions so affected are not considered as valuable as the uniform blue. Grains of pyrite are also usually scattered through the stone, giving the starry effect referred to by Pliny. Lapis lazuli usually occurs in limestone, but in connection with granite, so that it seems to be a product of the eruption of the granite through the limestone. The lapis lazuli of best quality comes from Asia, the mines being at Badakhshan in the northeastern part of Afghanistan on the Oxus River. The mining is done by building great fires on the rocks and throwing water on them to break them. The yield at present is small, not over 1,500 pounds a year being obtained. The lapis lazuli from these mines is distributed all over Asia, going chiefly to China and Russia. The price realized is said to be from 50 to $75 per pound. Lapis lazuli of poorer quality comes from a region at the western end of Lake Baikal in Siberia. The only other important locality is in the Andes Mountains of Chile, near the boundary of the Argentine Republic. This material is not much used at the present time on account of its poor quality, 
but it was employed by the Incas for decorative purposes. One mass, 24 by 12 by 8 inches, doubtless from this locality, is now in the Field Columbian Museum and was found in a Peruvian grave. It is one of the largest masses of lapis lazuli known. The walls of a palace at Zarksko Selo, Russia, built by order of Catherine II, are entirely lined with slabs of lapis lazuli and amber. Pulverized, the stone was used as a tonic and purgative by the Greeks and Romans. The name lapis lazuli means blue stone. Armenian stone is another term by which the stone is known in trade. Amber. Few minerals have been longer in favor for ornamental purposes than amber. Among remains of the earliest peoples, such as the Egyptians and cave dwellers of Switzerland, it is found in carved masses, indicating that it was highly prized. The Phoenicians are said to have sailed to the Baltic for the purpose of procuring it, while the Greeks' knowledge of it is indelibly preserved in our word electricity, derived from their word electron. The high favor in which the ancients regarded amber has hardly endured, however, to the present time. Were it not for its use for mouthpieces of pipes and other smokers' articles, and the occasional amber necklace to be seen, amber would hardly be known among the present generation in our country. Amber is a fossil gum of trees of the genus Pinus, and is thus a vegetable rather than a mineral product. In color it is yellow, varying to reddish, brownish, and whitish. Its hardness is 2 to 2.5, it being slightly harder than gypsum and softer than calcite. It cannot be scratched by the fingernail, but easily and deeply with a knife. It is also brittle. Its specific gravity is scarcely greater than that of water, the exact specific weight being 1.050 to 1.096. It thus almost floats in water, especially seawater. It is transparent to translucent. On being heated, it becomes soft at 150 degrees, and at 250 degrees to 300 degrees, melts. It also burns readily and at a low temperature, a fact which has given rise to the name of Bernstein, by which the Germans know it, and to one of the Roman names for it, Lapis Ardens. Rubbed with a cloth, it becomes strongly electric, attracting bits of paper, etc. As already noted, our word electricity comes from the Greek for amber, this seeming to be one of the first minerals in which this property was noted. Amber, being a poor conductor of heat, feels warm rather than cold in the hand, contrary to most minerals. It is attacked but slowly by alcohol, ether, and similar solvents, a property by which it may be distinguished from most modern gums and some other fossil ones. In composition, it is an oxygenated hydrocarbon, the percentages of these elements being, in an average sample, carbon 78.94, hydrogen 10.53, and oxygen 10.53. The mineralogical name of amber is succinite, a word derived from the Latin succum, juice. One of its constituents is the organic acid called succinic acid. The present source of most of the amber of commerce is the Prussian coast of the Baltic Sea, between Memel and Danzig, although it is found as far west as Schleswig-Holstein and the Frisian Islands, and even occasionally on the shores of Denmark, Norway, and Sweden. From time immemorial, pieces of amber have been cast upon the shore in these localities, and their collection and sale has afforded a livelihood to coast dwellers. Such amber is called sea stone or sea amber, and is superior to that obtained by mining, since it is usually of uniform quality and not discolored or altered on the surface. 
Owing to its lightness, the amber is often found entangled in seaweed, and the collectors are accustomed to draw in masses of seaweed and search them for amber. Amber so obtained is called scoop stone, nets being sometimes used to gather it in the seaweed. In the marshy regions, men on horseback called amber riders follow the outgoing tide and search for the yellow gum. It is also searched for by divers to some extent. From the earliest times, the title to this amber has vested in the state, and its collecting has been done either under state control or, as at present, when a tax is levied by the government upon it. This tax is levied on the amber that is mined as well as that obtained from the sea, and brings a revenue at the present time of about $200,000. Up to 1860, the methods of procuring amber were largely confined to obtaining it in the manner above noted. As it was evident, however, that the sea amber came from strata underneath, and that if either by dredging or mining these strata could be reached, a much larger supply could be obtained, exploration was carried on by mining methods with successful results, and the principal amount of the amber of commerce is now so obtained. The strata, as shown in the mines of Samland, the rectangular peninsula of East Prussia where most of the mining is carried on, are, first, a bed of sand, below this a layer of lignite with sand and clay, and following this a stratum of green sand fifty or sixty feet in thickness. While all these strata contain scattered pieces of amber, it is at the bottom of the green sand layer that the amber chiefly occurs, in a stratum four or five feet thick and a very dark color. It is called the blue earth. This stratum is of tertiary age, and there can be no doubt that its amber represents gum fallen from pines which grew at this period, and whose woody remains are represented to some extent in the layer of lignite. It is probably true, as Zadek remarks, that the amber has been collected here from older deposits. One of the most interesting proofs of the vegetable origin of amber is the occurrence in it of insects, sometimes with a leg or wing separated a little distance from the body, showing that it had struggled to escape. These insects include spiders, flies, ants, and beetles, while the feather of a bird has even been found thus preserved. Indeed, the amber deposits have furnished important contributions to our knowledge of tertiary life, inasmuch as the pieces bearing such remains are valued more highly than ordinary amber unscrupulous persons have at times found profitable employment in boring cavities into pieces of amber introducing flies or lizards into them and then filling up the hole with some modern gum of the same color it is said that all amphibious or water animals seen in amber have been introduced in this way besides the counterfeiting of the inclusions of amber there are several substitutes for the gum itself these are chiefly celluloid and glass, the substitution of the former being dangerous if used for the embellishment of pipes on account of its inflammatory character. Celluloid can be distinguished from amber by the fact that when rubbed, it does not become electric and gives off an odor of camphor instead of the somewhat aromatic one of amber. It is also quickly attacked by alcohol or ether and when scraped with a knife gives a shaving rather than a powder as amber does. Glass can be distinguished by its cold feeling and greater specific gravity. Besides these substitutes, it has been found possible by heating and pressing the scraps of amber, not large enough for carving, to make them into a homogeneous mass, which is sometimes sold as amber and sometimes as amberoid. Amber is worked to desired shapes by turning it on lathes or by cutting by hand. 
by heating it in linseed oil it becomes soft so that it can be bent and often all opaque spots can be made to disappear by such treatment the amber which is most highly prized of any in the world comes from sicily eight hundred dollars have been paid for pieces of this no larger than walnuts making their value nearly equal to that of diamonds the beauty of the sicilian amber consists in the variety of colors which it displays blood red and chrysolite green being not uncommon and the fact that these often exhibit a brilliant fluorescence glowing within with a light of different color from the exterior chemically the sicilian amber is not the same as the prussian as it contains less succinic acid and is somewhat more soluble in other respects it is not essentially different it occurs chiefly on the eastern and southeastern coasts being washed up in a manner very similar to the prussian amber amber has been found in several places in the united states but there is little of commercial value it is mostly connected with the cretaceous glauconitic or green sand deposits of new jersey fragments being frequently found there this amber is of yellow color but not so compact or lustrous as the foreign amber amber has also been reported from the marls of north carolina some of the coal beds of wyoming and in connection with lignite in alaska in the latter region the natives are said to carve it into rude beads amber occurs in small quantities in several countries of europe such as near basel in switzerland near paris in france and near london in england it is also found in many parts of asia these localities being a source of supply to the asiatic countries such as china and india occasionally amber is obtained from mexico which has the beautiful fluorescence of the sicilian article though the exact locality whence it comes is not known specimens of carved amber are found among the relics of the aztecs and it is probable that they used it for incense the early use of amber by european peoples has already been referred to there are references to it in the most ancient literature and worked masses of it are found among human relics of the greatest antiquity up to the comparatively modern times it was an important article of commerce among widely scattered peoples and had much to do with bringing about communication between them together with tin it was one of the chief objects which led the romans to penetrate the gallic regions to the west and north of the mediterranean and pliny says that it had been so highly valued as an object of luxury that a very diminutive human effigy made of amber had been known to sell at a higher price than living men even in stout and vigorous health one of the most elaborate of the greek myths is that which accounts for the origin of amber it runs in this wise Pathion, undertaking to drive the chariot of his sun-god-father Helios, lost control of his steeds, and approaching too near the earth, set it on fire. Jupiter, to stop him, launched a thunderbolt at Phaethon, and he fell dead into the Eridanus. His sisters, lamenting his death, were changed into poplars, and their tears became amber. In the Odyssey, one of Penelope's admirers gives her an amber necklace and Marshall compares the fragrance of amber to the fragrance of a kiss. Milton writes of amber, and Shakespeare mentions it both in Love's Labor Lost and The Taming of the Shrew. Necklaces of amber are popular wedding presents among the peasants of Prussia, and they form an important feature of the ornaments worn by many African chiefs. The properties assigned to amber both as a charm and as a medicine have been many. From the earliest times it has been used as an amulet, being supposed to bring good luck and to protect the wearer against the evil eye of an enemy. Necklaces of amber beads are used to this day as preventative or curative of sore throat, 
and the Shah of Persia wears around his neck a cube of amber reported to have fallen from heaven in the time of Mohammed, which is supposed to have the power of rendering its wearer invulnerable. Amber was also taken internally in former times as a cure for asthma, dropsy, toothache, and other diseases, and to this day is prescribed by physicians in France, Germany, and Italy for different ailments. The use of amber for artistic and decorative purposes has declined considerably since the Middle Ages, but magnificent illustrations of its employment for these purposes are to be seen in many European museums, notably the green vaults of Dresden. Though so soft and easily destructible a substance, it endures with ordinary care as well as the hardest stone, and works of art formed from amber are as well preserved as any to be found. Malachite Malachite is a green opaque mineral whose color indicates a salt of copper. It is a carbonate of copper containing water, percentages being in the typical mineral cupric oxide 71.9, carbon dioxide 19.9, and water 8.2. It is the common form which copper assumes when it or even its ores oxidize in the air. Many of the green stains on rocks or minerals can be correctly referred to malachite. It is only valued for ornamental purposes, however, when it occurs in compact masses, usually exhibiting concentric layers. Malachite in this form takes a fine polish. Malachite is not a hard mineral, its hardness being between 3.5 and 4. It can therefore be scratched with a knife. It is comparatively heavy, weighing four times as much as an equal bulk of water. When heated before the blowpipe, it fuses easily, coloring the flame green. By heating long enough on charcoal, it can be made to yield a globule of copper. It is easily attacked by common acids, causing effervescence of carbon dioxide. This test can be used to distinguish it from the silicate of copper, criscola, which has the same color. Besides its occurrence in massive forms as noted above, malachite not uncommonly occurs in tufts and rosettes encrusting other minerals. This is an especially common occurrence in mines in Arizona, and affords specimens of great beauty, especially when the green tufts of malachite are seen upon brown limonite, for then the appearance of moss on wood is closely simulated. Such material is of course too fragile to be used for decorative purposes. Malachite is prepared for ornamental use by sawing masses of the character of those previously referred to into thin strips, which are then fastened as a veneer on vessels of copper, slate, or other stone, previously turned to the desired shape. Putting pieces together so that neither by their outlines nor color will it appear that they are patchwork requires a high degree of skill, and such work is done almost exclusively in Russia. Tabletops, vases, and various other vessels are manufactured in this way and form objects of great beauty. The pillars of the Church of Isaac in St. Petersburg are of malachite prepared in this way, and there are similar pillars in the Church of St. Sophia, Constantinople, said to have been taken from the Temple of Diana at Ephesus. Occasionally, the desired object can be turned from a single piece of malachite, but pieces of sufficient size for this purpose are rare. Bauer describes one piece found in the Gumeschuisk mines, which was 17.5 feet long, 8 feet broad, and 3.5 feet high, and compact throughout. This is probably the largest single mass known. Russia furnishes most of the malachite suitable for work of this kind, and the art of cutting and fitting the stone is possessed almost exclusively in that country. Most of the Russian malachite has been obtained from the mines of Nishki-Tiglikst 
and Bogoslovsk in the northern Urals, or Gumyshchusk in the south. The supply has gradually decreased till now only the Nishna Teglisk mines are productive. The malachite is said to occur there in veins of limestone. Besides the Urals, fine malachite suitable for cutting comes from Australia. Burra Burra in New South Wales and Peak Downs in Queensland are localities whence good Australian malachite is obtained. Malachite as a mineral is common in copper mines in the United States, but it is only in Arizona that it is found of a quality suitable for cutting. A variety from Morency, Arizona, consists of malachite and azurite and gives a combination of green and blue that is unique and pleasing. Less use has been made of such material for ornamental purposes than might have been, for most of it has unfortunately been smelted as a copper ore. Malachite is rarely used for rings or small jewels, but is cut into earrings, bracelets, inkstands, and similar objects. Art objects of malachite seem to have been much in favor with Russian emperors as gifts to contemporaneous sovereigns, and so bestowed are to be seen in numerous palaces in Europe. Perhaps the most famous of these gifts is the set of center tables, mantelpieces, ewers, basins, and vases presented by the Emperor Alexander to Napoleon and still to be seen in an apartment in the Grand Trianon at Versailles. Malachite was well known to the ancients and, like other precious stones, was worn as an amulet. It was called pseudo-emerald by Theophrastus. Its name is from the Greek maleke, the word for mallows, and was given doubtless on account of its green color. Azurite, the blue mineral which often accompanies malachite, is likewise a hydrous carbonate of copper and occasionally occurs so that it can be used with malachite for ornamental purposes. Oliver Cummings Farrington End of Section 16